0: I like beer cause it is good I drink beer because I should If there was a
1: song to sing I sing it and beer you bring I drink beer when I am sad Cause the beer it makes me glad
0: Now there's nothing left to say So let's go drink beer Beer is good,
1: beer is good, beer is good and stop Beer is good, beer is good, beer is good Let's go drink some, some beer People. This is Mike.
0: Anselm.
1: And And? <laughs> me.
0: Me, is Chelsea.
1: One of our silent partners. Um, she's here just to make sure she keeps track of all the swear words that we say that get donated to the uh, Mike has a drink Christmas party. Um, at this point, where Our swear jar could finance
0: the space program. Yeah,
1: right now we're looking at a uh, all-week paid trip to St. Thomas, staying at the Ritz-Carlton, so...
0: With, you know, per diem
1: cash, we're on top of. We're spending money. (laughs) We're not doing (laughs) all-inclusive. So, um... It's been an interesting week.
0: Uh, uh, First thing I I feel uh, Chelsea and I need to bring up is upon concluding last week's episode... No, let me restart. Some of our more dedicated followers may have noticed that Mike posted last week's episode a few days late. Now, there's a legitimate reason for that.
1: But, and it's not, Mike should not be handling any IT duties this week.
0: Seriously, not this time. It was, <laughs> Chelsea and Tom hit a deer and Mike had to come rescue us. Because <laughs> oh. he was a big fella and her... Her, her uh, Ford Escape was not yeah. not equipped for that.
1: No, nah, there was pieces of the car on the road. and
0: uh, The deer flew up into someone's front yard, actually. Like, right in front of their garbage can, so I thought that was kind of ironic. Because mm-hmm. it was trash night.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Big-ass deer. At, at
0: least eight. At least eight yeah. points. The side that scraped against the window... After it got smacked and whipped around. Yep. Definitely had a four on it, so I'm assuming it's at least an eight.
1: All I know is you're lucky I had my phone in my (laughs) hand. You know what I mean? Because we all know that, like, the ringer is never on on my phone. Right. It's always on do not disturb. And I just happened to... I'd just gotten into bed, and I was setting my alarms for the morning, and my phone starts ringing, and I'm like, what the hell is Chelsea calling me for? And I'm like, "Hello," and Tom goes, "Uh, Chelsea just handed me the phone. We had a beer." And I'm like, "All right, where are you?"
0: And Mike actually ran over part of yeah. Chelsea's car because you know, like Mike said, it it was a. Uh,
1: yeah, it was uh, uh, and, and hey, if you don't believe us, the car's still there. The insurance is taking forever to just go get the damn thing. They're going to owe the people whose driveway there's money here. So <laughs> right? <it's crazy. laughs> storage fees. Um, so beyond that, shout out. Oh, well, we
0: were both fine, yeah. by the way. that people That's the most fine. important. That's <coughs> the most important part.
1: Mike, you know, Mike... Being in the state that he was was like, oh yeah, I know right where you're at. And then I'm driving, right past. I'm driving and I look up and I'm like, shit, I'm on this in Grove City. I went past him. so I had to turn around. But I, I did and find. I him. was
0: Tom was standing on the side of the road with the flashlight on his cell phone, flashing it. Because <laughs> even though Team Mike has a drink repaired, Mike's exhaust, there's no fixing that one. It's still pretty loud. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still not sneaking up on people. Um, oh, speaking of sneaking up on people, Mike informed
0: me today that I can never sneak into his house again.
1: That that's accurate because Hudson senses that you're anywhere near this house, and he starts doing somersaults and flips. And I saw the curtain
0: moving as I was mm-hmm. backing up, and I assumed it was oh, yeah. So my buddy heard my truck and was getting all happy.
1: Yeah. Um, Shout out to uh, Psycho Stick, yeah, gentlemen. Thank you again, fellas, for a great show. Thanks for letting us use your song. Um, <coughs> excuse me, still got a little bit of that COVID
0: cough. It is not up yet, but there is plans to hang the uh, the custom signed concert poster. Now, you see, I say custom because. uh, Those of us that know us know that Tom has quite the healthy beard, and Psycho Stick has a song about beard. So, in the band slot, the guitarist Matty D wrote, Psycho Stick, City, Pittsburgh, PA, Time, Beard.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. They're very down to earth guys.
0: So there is uh Mike is currently drawing up a uh blueprint to build a frame to hang that here at the official Mike has a drink recording studio.
1: That's right. That's right. Um Which which one of your guys just started playing football?
0: Vladimir. No. Oh. I don't remember. I can't
1: remember if it's Billy Bob or Yeah, Billy Bob. Billy Bob. Billy Bob, shout out to Billy Bob, has his first junior high football game under his belt. Uh, gets to go back at it tomorrow. Um, you know, um, I,
0: I he only had one positive yardage rushing, but it, which it was still a six-yard chunk, which is still quite the impressive run straight up the gut in junior high. Mm-hmm. Um, but like every other time he touched the ball, as soon as he touched it, he was getting hit. Yeah. And you can't do, it, it's hard for him. But then, and this part was funny to me, like they weren't putting him in on defense. Cause it was only his, he'd only had two days of official practice. And then the game. So they were just using him running back. And one of the halfbacks, and then wing back when they switched the uh, formation around. So, well, the quarterback threw an interception. And old Billy Bob come in with some heat. And it was a textbook, plant your ass tackle. Like, Billy Bob was pissed off this dude had the balls to pick off his quarterback. Style tackle. So, then he got started getting subbed in on defense at outside linebacker. And he had, like, four or five tackles for lost yardage. Good. Uh, So, you know, I think if if he sticks with it, especially with... Because him and the other running back really started clicking about halfway through the game.
1: Yeah, the other kid is actually
0: really good. Really good, yes. And now...
1: Now he has someone maybe to compliment him.
0: Not only that, but he also has somebody next to him in the backfield who's not afraid to actually throw an effective block. Right. And which then actually I witnessed, which... This kid actually throwing effective blocks when Vladimir heard the ball, and I'm like, you know, that's... Mm-hmm. I know nothing about this kid other than, you know, previous years his stats were quite impressive. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that you could see him actively trying to block, too, it, 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 you know... It, it made me look and think and go, wow, that running back and quarterback are really happy to have yeah. another running back that's willing
1: to play. Yeah. Well, and that stuff becomes contagious. You know what I mean? Right. Like, if you've <laughs> got one running back that's willing to get in there and bang, then then the other guys will start returning that favor.
0: Right. Um, in which we all know Billy Bob. He's he's, he's going to try and run through you other than around you.
1: Yeah. He's definitely a banger. Um. We got to give a shout out to the IT guy and his his little baseball team. That's right. Uh, <clears throat> congrats to Coach Matt on his first win at the junior high age. They won. They won. A, oh, hold on, hold on. Let's oh, see. Wait, wait, let's see. Wait, can we bring it up? Let's see if we can bring it up. Congrats to Coach Matt.
0: See that we're high class now, people. High class. We're
1: figuring this out. <coughs> Hopefully that g- comes across on <laughs> I, re- I really
0: hope we're not the much yeah. hearing in, it, in uh, our in our listening audience. Is yeah. like the fuck are these guys
1: talking uh, about? So they they won eleven to one through a two hitter.
0: Uh, I, I heard the IT guy did pretty impressive on the mound. He
1: did he did well. He, of course, you know the IT guy is the one that gave up two of the hits and the run, but. Um, overall, man, he looks solid. Pitched three innings.
0: Yeah, well, the, the run wasn't his fault because, right, it was a rundown run. So, yeah, it was a rundown run. Um, yeah.
1: three, he pitched three innings and threw like 36 pitches or 38 pitches in three innings. Uh, our starter pitched two innings, uh, three, five strikeouts over two innings and in a pop up or something. Um, He's gonna be fantastic. He's gonna be a freshman. The kid is gonna be legit. He's a lefty. His ball moves like one that I have not seen move in quite some time. Um, now listen,
0: uh, around here, coming from Mike, that that actually has you know some salt to it. Like that actually has some some weight with it. I should say so. Yeah, some bearing with yeah. it. Like at. Like, any baseball camp or something, Mike starts talking, other coaches start listening. Like, so when Mike says something about like that, then this kid's going to do
1: something. Well, thanks for the compliment there, Tom. I don't know if that's completely true, but, um, I've been around it long enough that you recognize stuff. Um. Uh, so yeah, so it was a good good weekend for baseball. Good weekend for football. Um shout out to my uh to my guys in uh green the Philadelphia Eagles. <coughs> Big win last night. Smashed the freaking Vikings. Couldn't have made me happier. What was the final on that? Um I believe it was twenty-four to seven. I might, not, I might have missed some points at the very end of the game because I was wrestling with Hudson, to try to get him to go in his cage for bedtime. Um, and that's a pro- process. <laughs> so um, next week we got it. We get the uh, Washington. Guardians, Commanders. Oh,
0: Commanders! Oh no, it's the Cleveland Guardians. Cleveland right. Guardians. Right, I'm sorry. They're,
1: but you know, it's they're always gonna, they're always going to be the freaking Redskins, and I don't I don't care. They're the freaking Redskins. Um. So hopefully we kick their ass. We'll see what happens. Um. But you know, here we are. We're doing serial killers. I know. I know. If you listened to the episode last week, we mentioned that we were going to do my talk about my brother. Um, but, I just, I don't know, I don't, I feel like, um, if I got upset from, at my sister and my mom, right, for doing TV, going on and doing interviews for TV shows, that I, sh- I i just shouldn't bring it up here in this platform, you know I respect it um
0: you know Mike texted me that, and the what the hell did I send back like
1: right on or yeah, yeah. good
0: deal or sounds good yeah. or so-, so
1: so we did switch, and you might you might notice Reggie is not with us tonight um she's got some work stuff that she needed to get done, and she was a little behind schedule uh. Chelsea is with us, but she is surfing the internet on her fancy computer that has like a Apple thing on it. Um, you know, she's bougie like that. So, uh, let's see, I just got a text message. Okay, that's... Oh man, I just heard from my boy Keith. He's coaching football for the first time, and he's loving it. Good for you, Keith. Shout Keith, out Keith. to Keith. Good for Good you, man. you, man. Keith, Keith <clears throat> and I—I've been friends with him since sixth <clears throat> grade. As the best man at both his weddings, second wedding this is the keeper for him. She's a great girl. Um. Anyway, say hey, look so. Back to our topic, we're on serial killers. We're talking about Theodore Robert Cowell. That's right. You may know him as Ted Bundy, um, but the,
0: See, I, I had to throw the real name there. Yeah,
1: I like that he did that. So um, he he becomes Bundy, Bundy. later he, through adoption. Yes, yeah, very early in the end of his life. But um, let's uh, let's 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 hear it for him, Ted Bundy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, um, yeah, the IT guy is not here, so if yeah, that would so have been we're the wrong it. button, we're winging
1: it, you know, it's that would have been terribly me. hilarious. And i yeah.
0: I might have had one of the deep down laughs.
1: It was, it, I was a little <laughs> nervous, actually. Um, so look, this dude born November 24th, 1946. Uh, his mom was not married. Now, there is some confusion on his
0: father. Yeah. Uh, some reports state that it is salesman and Air Force vet Lloyd Marshall. Um, some family members believe that he was actually the product of incest. Mm-hmm. But that apparently was proven wrong in 2020 by psychiatrist Dorothy Outnow Lewis via DNA testing. Yeah. So yeah. he definitely was not the product of incest. That doesn't say that it didn't happen.
1: Right. Right. They didn't mean it. she was not being sexually abused because she definitely got out of the house at a pretty young age. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, Mr. Mister Bundy was a, obviously a serial killer.
0: Oh, and, and that was in Burlington, Vermont. Yes. At the Elizabeth... Lund, home for unwed mothers. Yes. Yes. Which is... Shame. Shame on you. Right. Shame on you. It's a hellfire and brimstone, kind of. Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
1: No unwed, no unwed marriages back in the day.
0: Unwed births.
1: That, too. That's what it meant.
0: Um, hey, Mike... Do you know where he spent the first three years of his I, life? I
1: do, I do, I do. That, where, where was that at, Mike? Oh, man. Oh, Mr. Bundy uh, spent the first three years of his life being raised by his grandparents as their child. Right,
0: thinking his mom was his older his, sister. His
1: older sister. And there's reports saying that he didn't even know that she wasn't until, like, late into the 60s. Yes, there's um, conflicting
0: reports because he has said... Depending on who's interviewing him, he has said multiple things about the yeah. same topic.
1: Yeah. But so he did grow up in uh, Philadelphia. <laughs>
0: I still don't think that's, that, that's a good reason.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so he was a serial killer who kidnapped, raped, and murdered numerous young women. Uh, and, and actually some young girls, too, during the 70s. They think it could have started earlier than that, but they, they can't connect him to anything concrete before that. And he did not admit to anything. Right,
0: and I'll get to some of that when we get to Colorado. Okay.
1: Um, now, he did confess to 30... Some, some accounts say 36 of the murders. Right. Um, they believe... There could be another 30 to 36 more that he did not admit to. Right.
0: Um, I'm sorry, I just glanced down at my notes and noticed something else from his early life that I forgot to bring up. At three years old, right before moving out, uh, he surrounded his sleeping aunt with kitchen knives. And was standing over her smiling when When she she woke woke up. up. Yeah. Yeah. And then a a childhood neighbor, Sandy Holt, described him as, quote, a bully, saying he liked to terrify, he was a bully, he liked to terrify people, he liked to be in charge, he liked to inflict pain, suffering, and fear. Yes. So, at three years old,
1: this kid's a little dick. Yeah. Yeah. At three years old, he comes around and like you'd call your kids in the house, right? You know what I mean. Um, there's some other ones like Anne Rule, who 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 wrote was a,
0: actually a friend of Buggy's. Yeah, she
1: knew him; <clears throat> they worked together. Um, and she wrote a book called "The Stranger Beside Me." I've read that book. I don't know if you have. No, I have not. It's a fantastic read. Um, but she says that he's a, he was a sadistic sociopath who took pleasure from other humans' pain and the control he had over his victims to the point of death and even after.
0: Even after, yep.
1: He, because then we'll get into it more. But he, um... He,
0: uh... He, he didn't mind uh, cold packing, yeah, as they say. he would
1: revisit his victims. So... And he once described himself as the most cold-hearted son of a bitch you'll ever meet.
0: Yes. Um... Let's see what. Uh, I actually have about Johnny
1: Bundy. Okay, we'll get to him. Okay. we'll go there here in a second. But, right. Um, uh, Polly Nelson, who was a member of his last defense team, agreed with that statement. He yes. Said, uh, Ted, she wrote, was the very definition of heartless evil. <laughs> so it's like a. A perfect storm, a perfect serial killer storm, right? Because this guy on the inside is as black as it can be, right?
0: Right, it, just but darkness. The on void. On the outside,
1: yeah. he is he's charming, charismatic. charismatic. He's good looking, he's in fantastic shape. So, it, his victims came to him willing. You know, I, well, there
0: were. Obviously, because, yes, he was, you know, very charming Mm -hmm. and very handsome, but he would uh, typically approach victims alone, Mm -hmm. either feigning injuries or dressed up as a cop. Right. Which automatically instills... Safe. I'm safe.
1: So... All right, so... When he's young... Asterisk. when When he's young, his mom... Is convinced that she needs to get out of Philadelphia. Right. To get away from the shame. So they move to uh, Tacoma, Washington, I believe, is where he went. And while she's there, she becomes active in the church. And they have a singles night (coughs) at the church. And she meets. She meets Johnny Culpepper Bundy.
0: Which, and they immediately. Boom, hit it off. Um, they actually got married rather quickly.
1: Yeah, within a year. Within, yeah. within a few months. Right? Uh,
0: some reports that I found, but not many. Some cl- that it was the equivalent of a shotgun marriage. Mm. But that cannot be confirmed. That's just what a few of the websites I stumbled across. Yeah. And said.
1: And they get married and he, he adopts Ted.
0: Which. And then they had four biological children themselves. Right. And despite Johnny's attempts to, like, include Ted in everything, camping trips, sports outings, picnics, everything with the, well, well Ted was still very distant and was actually quoted as saying to a, to a girlfriend, he's not my real father, and he's not very bright and doesn't make a lot of money. Right. Doesn't make much money.
1: Right, so he looks down on the guy. Because I, I believe he was, like, a, a janitor. Yeah, he was a janitor, yeah. Um, the hospital, I believe, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I believe that might be where it was. So, um, you know, socially, he, he was a loner. Not many people wanted to have, be friends with him, obviously, because... When when your mentality is to and to inflict as much right. fear
0: and pain as possible,
1: you kind of you know, fool me once, you know what I mean, right? Uh, but you know, he was well known. They liked him on the on the surface, but there were no friend connections, right? So he graduates from high school. Like,
0: how, like how I would compare it is. Um, you know, I've got associates and I've got friends. Mm-hmm. That's basically what it, like, they were saying Ted's an associate, but he's not a friend.
1: Right, right. We don't, you know, he's nice enough in school, whatever, but we don't invite him when we have our parties in the cornfields. Right. So, um, oh, here was one. Parties in corn. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever did that, Mike. I mean, he's in Tacoma, Washington. They have to, it has to be all they did out there.
0: Well, actually, you know, in all fairness, I'm not sure if you actually ever have been to a cornfield party growing up in Philly and surrounding areas.
1: That's not true. Because don't forget, I did spend a lot of time. I'm a Lancaster, yeah. Okay, so, okay, I that's s- right. I used to drink with the Amish kids, man. Um, <laughs> I
0: did. They're fun to hang out with. Yeah. They're cheating bastards.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, he, he states that when he's younger, you know, he doesn't have a lot of friends. So, what he would do late at night... He'd roam the neighborhood picking through trash barrels trying to find pictures of naked women <coughs> from magazines. Yep. Um, and then he also... Now, this one here, he, he says he did it and then says he didn't do it. Which, again, goes
0: back to the conflicting reports yeah. depending on who he was talking to. But he to would look for
1: detective magazines. Right. Especially like true, crime, true true crime stories that depicted sexual violence. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's oh, up, baby? Everything okay? All right. Oh, was that weird. Jesse took a little nap, but, um, <laughs> a little siesta. That that really does not make me feel very good about this podcast. Listen, true. I had doubled,
0: or yeah, I had doubled. Okay, and I only slept three hours, so that's okay. why.
1: All right, it's not because it's of not us. the podcast. All right, good. Well, that's good to know. Because
0: Tom's yeah. Terrible Tuesday would definitely wake her up if... Right, right, right. That's true. Um,
1: Alright, so... Athletically, the only thing he really was good at was skiing. Uh, I
0: also read somewhere he wasn't, like, uh, top of the class, but he was fairly decent at pole vault. Okay.
1: I didn't see that. That's cool. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> like, he, like, he would go to districts and or states, but he wouldn't win. Okay. So like,
1: That's pretty good, man. Which is
0: still, yes.
1: Um, I, I wanted to be a pole voter. And I wanted to be a jumper. Um, but my football coach told our track coach that I had to have one foot on the ground at all times. And then he lost his mind when during a track meet, I grabbed the pole vault and tried to pole vault. Never did it before they were like we need one more person just come and jump and I said oh yeah I'm gonna do this it's awesome <laughs> so I run down pole goes in I start to go up uh I started to come back down and landed right on my back, right on the little oh, runway, gosh. whatever it was called. Oh. My football coach came over, and that was actually the last track meet I was ever allowed to attend. <laughs> so I switched over to baseball from that point on. But before, I would do both. Um,
0: yeah, see, I was I was uh, smart. <laughs> I wanted the pole vault, but I was too big. Yeah. Um. And, and this was with me having 5% body fat at the time. <clears throat> but weighing close to 230. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're not made to jump on a pole.
0: No. So the only things I ever did was shot put. And even though I wasn't, I was a thrower. So I was still considered a quote unquote fat guy. So it was the fat guy relay. Where it would legitimately be four throwers running against like the the starters for a four by four hundred relay. Yeah, like I remember one time distinctly, they started wrapping shit up, and we're like, "Well, we still got a lap left." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I um, I did the one hundred, the two hundred, and then the, the four by one relay. And at one one meet, they were like, "Hey, we're going to run this other relay. We're putting four freshmen together. We need you to run." And I said, "Oh, all right." He should sure have headed down to that one. And um, <clears throat> it's a, it was a four by four. So I started running, and I was like, "What the heck?" Way ahead of everybody. Where's my freaking guy? I had to run. I did a whole lap. I had to run a whole lap, Tom. I was freaking dead. We set the freshman record for the school, so that was cool, but then the next year's freshman class broke it, so I didn't hold the record very long. Um,
0: Well, that was like me. Um, My junior year, I finally broke the single-season sack record. And then the next year, I, um, due to financial circumstances, had to stop playing football and go to work. Um... But that following year, a freshman came up and broke my record. So it was legitimately
1: one season. Yeah.
0: Thank you, my love.
1: You know, these uh, Voodoo Sours, I guess we better shout out. Shout out Voodoo Brewery for our uh, drinks this evening. Um, Hudson. Hudson. Whatever one I'm drinking is green. It 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 is the V B treats. Yeah, it's a sour. I don't like sour beers.
0: But that's like the, the fourth one Mike has
1: and I definitely did not like this one, the first beer. But now that I'm on beer four, it's not bad. I don't know that I would would pay for sour beer.
0: It's still not gonna be my number one. No. No.
1: Um
0: I tend to agree with Mike because towards the end of my can that I had of it, I was like, "Yeah, you know, this isn't too bad." Yeah. Man. All
1: right, we got to get back on track here, though. So now, when he was when he was younger, he was only arrested. They're saying at least twice, but all the charges were dropped: burglary, auto theft. Becomes eighteen, everything's expunged. Um, he graduates high school in '65. Starts his, his uh, college career at the University of Puget Sound and then transfers to the University oh, oh. of Washington, the big U-Dub Huskies, uh, to study Chinese.
0: He ended up with, like, six degrees. Yeah.
1: In 67, becomes romantically involved with the student at the school. Her name's Diane Edwards. Um and any kind of biographies or movies, it's usually a different name that's used. Um but in sixty eight he drops out of college, works a couple minimum wage jobs, which are pretty which is pretty ironic because he didn't like his stepdad
0: because he didn't make money. Wait, right. Played.
1: Um but then he volunteers at the Seattle office of Nelson Rockefeller's presidential campaign. And he loved it. In 68, he attends the Republican National Convention in Miami as a Rockefeller delegate. And at that point, Edwards breaks up with him. And she returns home to California. Said that Ted was immature and lacked ambition. Stop, lady. You're not getting any of that beef stick. <clears throat> um.
0: Um. You know, I, I have. I happen to have a list of some of the aliases <laughs> he used. Okay. You want me to go ahead and jump on that while yeah. you're trying to find where you were at? Um. Chris Hagen or Hagen. Mm-hmm. Kenneth Misner, I can't read my own handwriting, how terrible is that? Officer Roseland, Richard Burton, Campus Killer, which was, he didn't call himself that, but right. paper did, so...
1: Well, you need to go lay down.
0: And Rolf Miller.
1: Huh. Interesting. Alright, so, she breaks up with him, he's a little bit lost at this point. <laughs> right. He's devastated. Goes to Colorado, then goes and visits some relatives in Arkansas. Goes back to Philly, enrolls for a semester at Temple University. Go out. Uh,
0: yeah, lady said so too.
1: And then it's believed that around this time he went up to Burlington and and was and looked up the records and discovered that his sister really is his mom. mom right,
0: which. For a dude already on the edge, <laughs> yeah. like that—that that, that is the pure definition of catastrophic.
1: Um. So by the fall of '69, oh, he's he's back in Washington. He meets Elizabeth Klopfer? Klofer? Yes, I don't know how to say it, but she was a single mom from Ogden, Utah, who happened to be working as a secretary. At the University of Washington School of Medicine. And they stay in an on-again, off-again relationship well into his incarceration the first time in in 1976. Um, He became a father figure to his daughter, who was three years old when they first started dating. And he was in her life until she was about ten. Now... As an adult, the daughter, her name's Molly, wrote that beginning at the age of seven, Bundy was abusive or sexually inappropriate with her.
0: You know, and that that had, that had always been, like, a big curiosity of the investigators and, yeah. you know, um, even <clears> the <throat> like, quote-unquote investiga- amateur investigators like ourselves with right. researching for this.
1: Right, like, because if you watch any of the movies on him, and I I, I believe it was the, the Netflix one where that where Zach Efron was Ted Bundy. I'm not I, sure. I, you may not have seen it, but there was a point where she was like, oh my gosh, like I'm so scared for Molly to be out going to her friends. What if the killer gets her? And he was like... Oh, no, she's safe. The killer won't touch her.
0: So... You know, at, at the, I, can, I can see both sides of that, because at the time, like, as her, I could see that as him trying to be comforting, being like, mm-hmm. no, babe, no, listen, well, you know. Well, she...
1: Yeah. But,
0: and then when she found out that he was well, the killer...
1: Yeah, but she actually, believe it or not, it called in multiple times. Once the description... Started going right. around. She caught and reported him multiple times. The mom, um,
0: and you know, again, and no that, that, one
1: ever followed up.
0: This goes back to every episode. We've said the exact same thing. How many lives? Yeah, could have been saved. Yeah. Um.
1: So you know, he he's reeling from the 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 breakup with Edwards. Things are good, on again, off again. He goes back to school this time for psychology. Honor student. Professors, all the professors loved him. He took a job in seventy one at Seattle Suicide Hotline Crisis Center. Yep. And that's where he meets animal.
0: Which, which you know, if you think about it, is pretty ironic.
1: Yeah. Here he is on the phone saving people's lives.
0: Just to go take them.
1: Yeah, to take someone else's.
0: Um, well, okay, okay, I get it now. He didn't want them to take their own lives because he wanted to take them.
1: <laughs> well, he didn't kill them.
0: Well, I know, but...
1: But yeah, no. But I, I feel like that was part of his power. It was a power move. Like, I'm going to save my <laughs> <life. laughs> La- ladies about to end up in a cage tonight. Um so he starts working on some different campaigns. They're trying to get try involved in politics. Um in nineteen seventy-three he runs back into Edwards and she was amazed that he's now transformed himself from this no ambition lazy guy To going around traveling with politicians and it was like it was all an act you know what I mean Um, building up this relationship they talk about getting married and then in January of 74 he just completely stops talking to her doesn't answer her phone calls any letters she mails he doesn't open them they get returned, um, and she finally gets him on the phone, and is like, "I can't believe that you know you can't explain to me why we're not dating." And in a calm voice, he just says, "Diane, I have no idea what you mean," and hangs up the phone. <laughs> um, and and he later says, "I just wanted to prove to myself that I could have married her." Oh jeez. So, you get to the point now, he's in law school, just starts skippin', skipping classes, and by April of this year, he doesn't even go to anything, he's out of school, dropped out, and young women begin to disappear in the Pacific Northwest. So, his... Series is series of murders really occur in three phases. The first phase is Washington, and Oregon. And um we're talking nineteen seventy-one. They think that maybe he could have took his first one. He said that when he went to visit family in sixty-nine he killed someone in Ocean City, New Jersey, but then later denied it. Said so, um, it was a little bit later, it was Atlantic City, and then he denied it again. So, we are now in 1974, he's 27 years old. And by his own admission, he by then had mastered the necessary skills in the era before DNA to leave minimal incriminating forensic evidence. Okay? Right. So January of 74, January 4th of 74, he goes into a basement apartment of an 18-year-old lady named Karen Sparks. She was a dancer and a student at the University of Washington lunges her with a metal rod from her bed, and then he sexually assaults her with the same rod. She is unconscious in the hospital for ten days, and she survives, but she's not able... She's... The beating left her disabled, but she was not able to identify him because it was dark. February 1st, breaks in the apartment of Linda, Linda Ann Healy... Who's a broad, who broadcast the morning radio weather reports for skiers, beats her unconscious, dresses her in blue jeans and white blouse and boots, and carries her away. And that's what she was in whenever they found her. Um, during the, the initial phase here, he's really, it's, it's basically he's, it's a killing a month to satisfy his urge. Right. right. March 12th, Donna Gale Mason, a 19-year-old student at the Evergreen State College, 60 miles away from him, left her dorm to attend a jazz concert, never arrived. April 17th, Susan Elaine Rancourt disappeared while on her way to her dorm after having an evening advisors meeting at Central Washington State College, 110 miles southeast of Seattle. Two female Central Washington students later came forward to report encounters on the night that this Rancourt disappeared of a man wearing a sling who was asking for help carrying a load of books to his brown or tan Volkswagen Beetle. May 6th, Roberta Kathleen Parks left her dormitory at Oregon State University, 260 miles south of Seattle, to have coffee with her friends. She never arrived. Now people are starting to get concerned, right? No physical evidence, and the missing women had little in common apart from a similar appearance of being young, attractive, white, female college students with long hair parted in the middle. June 1st, Brenda Carroll Ball disappears after leaving the Flame Tavern. She was last seen in the parking lot talking to a brown-haired man with his arm in a sling. So that was definitely his mo. Uh, can you please help me do whatever because my arms hurt and I can't.
0: The change the tire was his big thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then he later uses the can you help <coughs> me get my boat off the top of my car. Right.
0: Like right. he say, can you help me, you know, with my tire? And then yeah. when they get the jack place, they turn around to catch the tire. Iron. Yep. Yeah. The tire. Iron. So
1: June eleventh. Oh wait. Yeah. June eleventh, so starting to ramp up. June eleventh, University of Washington student Ann Hawkins vanished while walking down a brightly lit alley, alley between her boyfriend's dormitory and her sorority house. The next morning, three Seattle <laughs> homicide detectives and a criminal criminalist criminalist I don't know how to say. It. Say that word. That's um, something
0: good. that last your time. Mm-hmm.
1: Comb the entire alley on their hands and knees, finding nothing. In a later interview, Bundy reported that once he had <laughs> her, whatever she was, he noticed she was missing an earring. And while the investigators were combing the alley, he went back and picked up the earring while the
0: police were yeah. there. No shit. Take
1: balls yeah um and he reports that he went to revisit Hawkins corpse on three different occasions which
0: his experience with that actually comes in helpful down the road with yeah. our last week's subject no two weeks ago subject
1: yeah with the green river killer yes Um, after, after the report comes out about Hawkins, witnesses come forward to report seeing a man in an alley behind the dormitory on crutches with a lug cast, struggling to carry a briefcase. And one woman recalled that the man asked her to help him carry the briefcase to his car, a light brown Volkswagen Right. So, it's the same car every time. Um. So, so people are starting to panic. Law enforcement's under pressure. (laughs) The police would not provide reporters with any information. Because they had none. They didn't really have much to go on. Um. On July 14th, you want to talk about some balls. His last hurrah in Oregon and Washington is July 14th. He takes two women in broad daylight from a crowded beach at a state park. Five different female witnesses described an attractive young man wearing a white tennis outfit with his left arm in a sling. Speaking with a light accent, they thought he could be Canadian or British and introduced himself as Ted. Okay? He wanted help unloading a sailboat from his tan or bronze-colored Volkswagen Beetle. Now, I'm telling you right now... If you went through the, the records at the DMV for a Ted and a Volkswagen Beetle, there couldn't, have been, there couldn't have been more than 20 or 30 people in that area with a Volkswagen Beetle named Ted. Right. So that's where, you work, that's where the, the work should have been done. They should have rounded up every single Ted and brought them in. It doesn't happen. Four refused. One went with him to the car, but saw there was no sailboat, so she ran away. And then three additional people see him approach Janice and Ott, a probation (laughs) worker, with the sailboat story, and watches her leave the beach in his company. Four hours later... Denise Marie Naslund, who's 19, year old, 19 years old, starting to become a computer programmer, left the picnic to go to the restroom and never returned. Bundy later admitted that Ott was still alive when he returned with Naslund, and that he forced one to watch as he murdered the other. Wow. And they were found September 6th of that year by two hunters who came across skeletal remains near service road two miles from the lake and they found a femur and some vertebrae and he said that they were Hawkins and then uh, six months later forestry students from the Green River Community College discovered the skulls and mandibles of Healy-Rancourt Parks and Ball on Taylor Mountain, where Bundy frequently hiked. So, now he moves. He gets back, he reapplies the law school after dropping out. Gets back into the University of Utah. So, he moves to Salt Lake City, leaving his girlfriend in Seattle. And, guess what, Tom? Here comes something shocking. Uh-oh. More murder, happen. You don't say. So, but at this point, they're now escalating. He's not waiting 30 days. He's lucky if he can get two weeks. Right. So, October 18th, Melissa Ann Smith, 17-year-old daughter of the police chief.
0: See, that almost sounds like a message to mm-hmm.
1: me. He dis- she disappears leaving a pizza parlor. Her body was found in the mountains nine days later. Um, the exam, the exam by the coroner, indicates that she may have remained alive up to seven days following her disappearance. Oh man! So she was tortured repeatedly. <clears throat> October 31st, Laura and Amy, also 17, disappears disappears. Wow, that was like a disappears. that was like a Kentucky or something accent. I was saying you your southern draw came out there, yeah, Mike. it definitely did. Um, disappears 25 miles from there. After leaving a cafe just after midnight, she was found nine miles away by some hikers in, on Thanksgiving. Oh. Both girls were beaten, raped, sodomized, and strangled with nylon stockings. And the nylon stockings at this point really become part of his thing. They're, they're in, definitely take, his about. They're in his kill kit. Um, November 8th, Bundy approaches an 18-year-old telephone operator, Carol DeRoch, less than a mile from the restaurant where he took Smith. He identified himself as a police officer and told DeRoch that someone had attempted to break into her car. He has her to accompany him to the police station in his undercover vehicle, which happens to be a tan Volkswagen bug. Um, She points out that he's driving on the wrong road to the police station. He pulls onto the shoulder and attempts to handcuff her. She struggles. He ends up putting both handcuffs on the same wrist, and she escapes. Oops. Later that evening, Deborah Jean Kent, a 17-year-old student in high school disappears after leaving a theater production at the school to go pick up her brother and never to be seen again. Um, the drama teacher and a student told police that a stranger had asked each of them to come out to the parking lot to identify a car. And they report that there was a man... Pacing in the rear of the auditorium during the theater production. When they look into it and start doing an investigation, they find a handcuff key that unlocked would have unlocked the right handcuffs. So now there's are like, okay, this is connected. In November, Clofer. His girlfriend calls the King County Police Department a second time after reading that the young women were disappearing in towns surrounding Salt Lake City and reports that they need to look into Ted. And they said... She said his name is Ted Bundy. And they said,
0: nah, you don't know what you're talking about, lady.
1: They said, uh, well, Adam, (laughs) this is suspects, but there's no credible forensic evidence linking up to these crimes. So he, in January of ninety five he returns to Seattle, spends a week with Klofer, who didn't tell him, and said, yeah, I'm going to come visit you in August in Salt Lake City. His friends come and visit. Um, but he now starts shifting out of Salt Lake City because the heat's on there and starts going into Colorado. On January 12th, a 23-year-old registered nurse named Carol, Karen Eileen Campbell Disappeared while walking down a well-lit hallway between the elevator and her room at the Wildwood Inn. She was found naked a month later. Killed by blows to the head from a blunt instrument. March 15th, Vail ski instructor Julie Cunningham disappears. Um, and it, it's reported that he made multiple trips to see her post-mortem. Denise Lynn Olverson disappeared on May 6th. Or no, April 6th. While well, riding her bike, she was 25. Her bike and sandals were found under a viaduct. May 6th, Bundy lured a 12-year-old.
0: Oh. As if it's not bad enough.
1: Yeah. From in a from in a school from from a high school student from Idaho, he drowned her in his hotel. Um, he gets some visitors, so there's he goes for a while without any kind of killing. He's back. All the doors are shut up there. Uh, I think it was Hudson jumping on the bedroom door upstairs. Oh, okay. June twenty eighth. Susan Curtis vanishes from BYU. Brigham Young. Her murder became Bundy's last confession, tape-recorded moments before he entered the execution chamber. The bodies of Wilcox, Kent, Cunningham, Oliverson, Culver, and Curtis were never recovered.
0: Okay, so, now, I think it's a perfect opportunity for a Terrible Tuesdays with Tom right now. <laughs> Before we talk about the escapes. Okay. Okay. love it. I love it. Hey, um, Mike, did you hear they found a bunch of holes in the fence surrounding the nudist colony?
1: No, I didn't hear that, Tom. Police are looking into it. Ha! Okay. I get it. I get it.
0: This one is Chelsea approved. Okay? (laughs) Mike, 98% of people have admitted to masturbating in the shower. The other 2% sing. What do they sing?
1: I don't know. What do they sing?
0: I didn't think you'd fucking know.
1: Okay. So now now luck runs out. August 16th of 1975 old Mr. Bundy was arrested by the Utah Highway Patrol by Officer Haywood. He observed Bundy driving through a residential area in his Volkswagen Beetle during the pre-dawn hours. And fling at a high speed after he sees the cop car. Right. Pulls him over. First thing he notices is the front... Oh, excuse me. I almost got the hiccups there. I might still... The front passenger seat's been removed. He searches the car, finds a ski mask, a second mask, fashion from pantyhose, a crowbar, handcuffs, trash bags, coiler rope, an ice pack, and other items initially assumed to be burglary tools. Bundy explained that the ski mask was for skiing. He found the handcuffs in a dumpster, and the rest were just common household items. Detective Jerry Thompson uh, remembered a similar suspect in car description from the 1974 DeRanch kidnapping and Bundy's name from Clover's phone call. They search his apartment... They find a guide to Colorado ski resorts with check marks, with a check mark by the Wildwood Inn and a brochure that advertised Viewmont High School play where Kent had disappeared. They didn't have sufficient as evidence to detain him. It was all circumstantial at this point. Right. He's released on his own recogn- recognizance.
0: So, there's trip number one.
1: And Bundy admits that later. That the searchers missed a hidden collection of Polaroid photographs of his victims, which he destroyed immediately after being released. Right. They put Bundy on a 24-hour surveillance. um, And Officer Thompson flies to Seattle with two other detectives to interview Clover. for finally. She told them in a year prior to Bundy's moving to Utah, she discovered objects she couldn't understand in her house and in Bundy's apartment. These items included crutches, a bag of plaster of Paris that he admitted to stealing from a medical supply house, a meat cleaver that was never used for cooking, surgical gloves, an oriental knife kept in a display case, uh, and women's clothing, a a sack full of women's clothing. Um, He kept a lug wrench taped halfway up the handle in the trunk of the car. Another Volkswagen Beetle, which he often borrowed for protection. Detectives confirmed that Bundy had not been with Clofer and any the night store and the victims, that the victims were murdered. Um, in September, Bundy sells his Volkswagen Beetle. Police impound it. FBI technicians dismantle it and search it. They find hair samples matching Campbell's body. They also find microscopically indistinguishable strands from Smith and Durant. October 12th, he gets put into a lineup. Durant immediately identifies him as Officer Roseland. That gives them enough evidence to charge him with aggravated kin- kidnapping criminal attempted criminal assault freed on $15,000 bail paid by his parents.
0: But- he becomes, like, a major suspect in all these yes. other states. Yes. some <laughs> murder cases that are, like, they're, you know, like Mike alluded to on the Green River episode. Ago. You know, the police stations didn't have the communication network back then that they have now. Right. So you could do that.
1: You could move from town to town, state to state because there was, there's not a system that communicates like there is now. There's not a database.
0: Well, there's no doubt in my mind that Bundy would have been caught after his second. Maybe, hope, hopefully after... That's the... I
1: right, see, so Tom now yeah. has doubt in his mind as to when. But, yeah, it would have been a lot quicker. All these guys would have been a lot quicker. So, you know, in, in 75, Mike...
0: He was arrested, like you said, for aggravated um, kidnapping and attempted criminal assault. Uh, he escapes twice. Mm-hmm. The first time for six days. Yep. And the second time for a few months until he gets caught and then
1: right. caught, caught. Yeah. Now, so,
0: can I go into the escapes or you got something else? Well, I just want to get him
1: in jail first. All right. So February 76, he stands trail, trial for the Ranch kidnapping. His attorney told him to waive his right to a jury to avoid the negative publicity. surrounding went on the case. After a four-day trial and a weekend of deliberation, Judge Stuart Harrison Jr. found him guilty of kidnapping and assault. In June, he was sentenced to one to 15 years in Utah State Prison. In October, he was found hiding in bushes in the prison yard carrying an escape kit, road maps, airline schedules, and a social security card, and got put in solitary confinement. Later that month, authorities charged him with Campbell's murder, and after a period of resistance, he waived extradition proceedings and was transferred to Aspen, Colorado in January of
0: 1977. And then here's where Tom comes back in. While at Pitkin County Courthouse for preliminary hearing, he was acting as self-counsel. So he went down to the law library to do some research. Right.
1: And because he was acting as self-counsel, he didn't have handcuffs or shackles on. And he had a suit on.
0: Yeah. Instead of the... uh... Jumpsuit. So, he realizes there's a window on the other side of the shelf... (laughs) That the CEO can't see. Yep. Or the bailiff, I'm sorry, because it's yeah. at the courthouse, not at the jail. But Okay, so the bailiff can't see. So he jumps out the second story window, sprains his right ankle. Uh, immediately starts hiking south.
1: Sheds his suit, has clothes underneath. Right,
0: that's right. He has a secondary layer of clothes underneath. Thank you. Um... Like, he actually passed roadblocks being set up while walking away.
1: Walked right through
0: them. But then, you know, uh, he breaks breaks into a cabin, steals some food, some clothes, a rifle, and tries to head south to this town that uh, I forgot to write the name down.
1: Uh, Crested Butte.
0: Yes, thank you. But he gets lost on the mountain for two days ironically, passing two different trailheads that would take him directly down to the city he wanted to go. Right. So, in my... It's never been... It wasn't stated on any of the websites I saw, but in my opinion, if he almost wanted caught. Like, he was borderline hypothermic. Mm-hmm. Very much sleep depth.
1: Yeah.
0: Constant pain from his ankle being sprained. Right. So he dri- steals a cart and drives him back into Aspen swerving in and out of traffic, gets spotted by officers, and six days after escaping, is apprehended again.
1: Right. So he's back in jail. His friends and legal advisors told him to stay put, (coughs) but the case against him was already weak at best. Like, this
0: is what I was alluding to earlier, like They were winning so much stuff. Was like so much
1: of evidence evidence is all getting thrown out,
0: all getting thrown out. You know, uh, due to unconstitutional. um, What the hell is the official term? Like it was basically illegally seized, is what the courts had ruled. So, and he had uh, a lot of experts at the time. Estimated close to 90% chance of acquittal in Colorado, which then, of course, would have made the other districts and whatnot nipping at his heels to go, Whoa! Oh, wait a minute, okay. Maybe he's not the guy. But no.
1: no, nope. nope. He comes up with a new escape plan. He, uh... Hold on, hold on, maybe we have a sound effect for that. Oh, A new escape plan. Let's see. Alright.
0: So, he gets a detailed floor pan of Garfield County Jail and a hacksaw blade off of some uh, less than reputable guards. Yep. Okay, so then at night while other prisoners were showering... He was actually sawing through the bars and concrete of the ceiling of his cell. Now, at the time it took him
1: to do this... And he goes he goes on a basically a hunger strike.
0: Too. Yes, that, that's what I was alluding to. And he drops, what, 65 pounds? 35. Oh, 30, that's right, 35 pounds. Drops 35 pounds during his uh, fast protest.
1: Yeah, and, and before he runs... He made a series of practice works.
0: Which a confidential informant actually reported hearing sounds of rustling in the ceiling yep. multiple
1: nights. And not, it, it was never investigated. It was
0: never investigated. So. So then on December 30th, most of the staff were on Christmas break. Yeah. Well, New Year's Eve, yeah. Right? Right. All the uh, non violent prisoners. We're at home on weekend on furloughs Mm -hmm. with their families.
1: Yeah. Oh, Ted makes a fake body in his bed.
0: Out of books and files. Now, to the lay person hearing trying to make a body out of books and files, that sounds almost impossible. But when you realize that at night, those CEOs, there's almost no light in the cells, and all they are looking for is a shape and a bed. Yeah. And that's an unfortunate, unfortunate truth these days as well. Is they don't actually look for prisoners or people in custody who had not been, you know, at the county jail. Mm-hmm. They just look for shapes and beds.
1: Yep. So he ends up in the uh, jailer's apartment.
0: Breaks through the floor of it while the the chief jailer is out with his wife for the evening.
1: Yep. Steals his clothes.
0: And walks right walks the the floor.
1: out. Walks out. Steals a car. And um, ends up in Chicago.
0: He had made it to Chicago by the time they even realized he was missing. Seventeen hours. Crazy.
1: Crazy. So, and then he's in Chicago. He goes to Michigan, where he was at a local on, tavern on January second. Five days later, he steals a car, drives to Atlanta, where he gets on a bus and drives to Tallahassee, Florida on the morning of January 8th. He stays in a hotel before he rents a room under the alias Chris Hagan. Right near FSU, Florida State University. Shout out, go Gators. That's right. Stay out of the swamp. He said that he actually planned to find legitimate work refrain from any further criminal activity no, he could probably remain free and undetected in Florida forever.
0: But, but
1: his loan job application to work construction, he had a, he had to walk out because they asked him to show ID and he had none.
0: Right, and so, he starts, so the urges come again.
1: Yeah, so he starts shoplifting and stealing money and credit cards at grocery stores.
0: Which was another power
1: move. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then it all sets up January 15th of 1978 when he goes on one last killing spree. One last hurrah. So one week after he arrives, he enters Florida State University's Kai Omega sorority house through a rear door with a faulty locking mechanism. And then over a course of time, he goes on a spree. Beginning at 2.45 a.m., he bludgeons Margaret Bowman, 21, with a piece of oak firewood as she slept, then garroted her with a nylon stocking. He then entered the bedroom of 20-year-old Lisa Levy, Beat her unconscious, strangled her, bit deeply into her left buttock and the nipple off of her right breast. Sexually assaulted her with a hair mist bottle. What's that, like hairspray?
0: Yeah, uh, well, no, it's a hair wetting to help with brushing.
1: In the adjoining bedroom, he attacked Kathy Kleiner, breaking her jaw, deeply lacerating her shoulder, and Karen Chandler, who suffered a concussion, a broken jaw, loss of teeth, and a crushed finger. Chandler and Kleiner survive. Kleiner says that the reason they survived was because of automobile headlights illuminating the interior of the room, frightening him away. He escapes, but not before being seen by sorority sister Nita Neary, who came through the back door and saw Bundy as he was exiting the house. Detectives determined that four attacks took place in less than 15 minutes. With an earshot of more than 30 witnesses who heard nothing. Jesus. After leaving the Swardy house, he breaks into a basement apartment eight blocks away. Like, at this point, he is just like full. He's
0: on the mission. He's on
1: animal savage mode, right?
0: Like, I'm going till I'm done. Like, I'm going till this is in a one way for me, and I'm trying to find the express route.
1: Yeah. Um,. He breaks into Cheryl Thomas's house, dislocates his shoulder, fractures, jaw the skull in five places. She was left with permanent deafness, equilibrium damage that ended her dance career. On her bed, police found a semen stain and a pantyhose mask containing two hairs, similar to Bundy's, and class and characteristic. February 8th, he drives to Jacksonville. In a parking lot, he approaches 14-year-old Leslie Perimeter. Again. The daughter of Jacksonville's police department, chief of detectives. You know, uh, but I'm not... I feel like that.
0: I'm not 100% sure he, like... That he,
1: one was a coincidence, I think.
0: You don't think it was a message?
1: I mean, I don't know. He's only been in Florida for a few days, right?
0: All right, that's fair, that's fair.
1: I mean, but if it's a coincidence, it's a... Uh,
0: it's a hell of a coincidence. Yeah.
1: So he identifies himself as Richard Burton, fire department, but retreated when Perometer's older brother arrived and confronts him. Uh, that afternoon he backtracks 60 miles to Lake City, Florida. Twelve-year-old Kimberly Diane Leach was summoned to her homeroom by a teacher to retrieve a forgotten purse. She never returned to class. Seven weeks later, after an intensive search, her partially mummified remains were found in a pig. Barrowing shed at Su- Suwannee River State Park. She appeared to have been raped and then killed by neck lacerations. On February 12th, with insufficient cash to pay his overdue rent and a growing suspicion that police were closing in on him, Bundy stole a car, fled Tallahassee, driving westward across the Florida Panhandle. Three days later, at around 1 a.m., he was stopped by Pensacola Police Officer David Lee near the Alabama line, after a once a warrant's check showed his Volkswagen Beetle was stolen.
0: There he is in a he damn Beetle again. He took another
1: Beetle. When he was told he was under arrest, Bundy kicked Lee's legs out from under him, took off running, Lee fired two shots, then gave chase and, chase and tackled him. The two struggled over Lee's gun before the officer finally subdued and arrested Bundy. In the vehicle were three sets of IDs belonging to female Florida State University students, 21 stolen credit cards, and a stolen TV. Also found were a pair of dark rim non-prescription glasses and a pair of plaid slacks, later identified as the disguise worn by Richard Burton. As Lee transported his jail, his suspect to jail, Unaware that he had wrestled one of FBI's top ten most wanted fugitives, he heard Bundy say, "I wish you had killed me." So he goes to trial. During the during the trial, he ends it, up. Well, getting-
0: I missed it. But at one point, investigators find twelve. Decapitated heads in his apartment. Yes, I, I, I missed way, when I should have thrown that in. Yeah, and that's I'm my not bad. Aware, sure but
1: um, there was a pretrial plea bargain that was negotiated, in which Bundy would plead guilty to killing Levi or Levy Bowman and Leach in exchange for seventy-five years in prison. They were unable to reach a deal. Bundy, on the other hand, saw the plea deal as not only a means of avoiding the death penalty, but also a tactical move. He could enter his plea, and then wait a few years for the evidence to disintegrate or become lost, and for witnesses to die, move on, or retract their testimony. But when it was time for him to say guilty, he couldn't do it. So. Eventually, he fires his uh, defense attorneys and, and decides he's going to be the sole attorney on the case. Which
0: you lose all rights to appeal right. when you do that. Right.
1: Yeah, the judge asks you specifically. Um, and he gets the death penalty. Goes to trial again for some more murders gets sentenced for the third time to death by electrocution. And during this time, he stands and says, tell the jury they were wrong. But, in
0: one final act of humanity, he actually helps the police apprehend the Green River Killer.
1: Right. Right. Um... (laughs) You <laughs> can't have that on air. can't be snoring on the podcast, Chelsea. October of 1981, Boone, who he married in court, um, gives birth to their daughter Rose, named Bundy the father. Even though there weren't conjugal visits allowed, uh, they pulled their money and they would bribe guards all the time. So... He gets sent, like we said, to death. Goes on death row. Now he starts confessing to some things. Starts uh, filing appeal after appeal after appeal. After nine long years.
0: Florida finally said, all right, dude, shut up.
1: Florida said you're out of appeal. You're done. He is issued a brief stag by the Supreme Court but they reviewed everything and they said, no, we're going to reschedule this. Um, So July 2nd becomes the date that they announce that he's going to be executed. Files one last appeal. 15 hours before the scheduled July, July 2nd execution, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals State it indefinitely and remanded the Kaya Omega case for review. Finally everything gets exhausted. And on January twenty-fourth, nineteen eighty-nine, Theodore Bundy cool. Cal, Cal Bundy was executed in an electric chair at 7.16 a.m.
0: And Um, his ashes were released to his family, and they were spread at an undisclosed location. Right. Mm. And. Although a lot of people believe it was actually at the University of Washington. Yeah.
1: But the thing, the other thing that's crazy about this is, is he's waiting for that execution on that day, because they know this is it, it's not getting put, pushed off. So many people gathered outside the prison, screaming, Fry, fe- Fry, Ted Fry, and, you know, some different things like that.
0: Dude, this is completely off subject, but one of my most favorite quotes in history is offender Charles Fry, or Charles French, I'm sorry, Charles French. Gets sentenced to death by the electric chair, and just before they throw the switch, he goes, "Hey fellas, how's this for a headline? French fries."
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So um, I know. Hold on, hold on. So, um,
1: you know, so he he dies, but looking back, he was. Like, if you compare him to some of the other guys that we've talked about, he was, like, unusually organized. He was calculating. Used his knowledge of law enforcement.
0: I so said the only one I put up at his intelligence level, at that, you know, around the same time frame, would be the Green River.
1: Yeah, yeah. because they both they both used their knowledge of the area to make sure that the bodies were dumped super far apart so there couldn't be connections drawn. Um,
0: they both plan to fake evidence to throw investigators yep. off? Yeah. You know... Again, stuff you could never get away with nowadays because yeah. of...
1: Well, because there's cameras in them.
0: Well, not only that, but, you know, the law enforcement technology mm-hmm. is... quote-unquote
1: insane. Yeah. Um just crazy. You know, it's just crazy that someone, there could be someone that evil.
0: But he was showing signs at, like, a, such a young age. Right. So it just makes you wonder, you know. Yeah. A well, well, that, that's a recurring theme, Chelsea, is just about every one of these episodes, looking back with, with like, today's uh, practices, and, and unfortunately, even today, still a lot of people slip through the system. But with these people who were actually put in the systems, like with the knowledge we have today, so many people, including themselves, would have been saved. Right. Um. But that's like comparing Jordan to Lebron, two different eras. The comparison is never going to make sense. Yeah,
1: so they're saying that on the evening before his execution he reviewed his victim total on a state-by-state basis. Came up with 30. In Washington he admitted to 11. In Utah he admitted to 8. Colorado 3. Florida 3. Oregon 2. Idaho 2. California 1. Um... But they said at other times when he would talk about things, he could say, would say for every one person that you know about, there could be two that you don't. So the number of, I mean, the number could be up to a hundred, man. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, But that concludes our TED talk, so to speak.
0: Hey oh. Where's the where's the head on?
1: Um thank you for joining us. We definitely appreciate you guys. Who we got next week, Mike? I have no idea. I'm about to tell you. Because as you know, here at Mike Has a Drink, things change. Mmm. Hold on. Good God. I took a picture of
0: that schedule a long-ass time ago. Um. Oh, there it is. Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three.
1: Two.
0: Oh, the, um, the, the music, the uh, movie theater killer in Colorado.
1: The Colorado movie killer. Okay. Good one, good one.
0: I'm sitting there trying to figure out who the hell this dude is, and because his just his name written on mm-hmm. the schedule, and then it, yeah, yeah, it's the Colorado movie killer.
1: Yeah, so that'll be awesome. That'll be another good one. Um, we are gearing up for our end of October supernatural yeah, episode. When we start running into some of the haunted, most haunted places in the world in the U.S. in Mercer. I feel like my house probably is on the, the basement of my house is on the list. Um, Oh, no, seriously. And wherever Chelsea
0: works is on the list. (laughs) Like, she sent me a video that I just showed to Mike before recording of a rocking chair, just rocking all by
1: itself, no wind, no nothing. Yeah, insane. I was like, uh, not going there.
0: I mean, although, in all fairness, theoretically, nursing homes and hospitals would be the two. I mean, it
1: would make sense. It would make sense. Places like big Civil War towns, it would make sense. New Gettysburg?
0: Yeah. I heard so much shit yeah. when I was there for Bike Week in 08. Yeah. Like um, waking up to the sounds of a battle asking people, where's the reenactment? Yeah. No, no. There's no, no, that's no reenactment. Not
1: yeah, it's just every day here.
0: That's just that's just what you hear. Yep. So You get used to it after a while. Mm-hmm. By the end of bike week you'll be sleeping through
1: it. Yeah. Meanwhile you're hearing cannons and bugles like this. Screams. And this And then this. <laughs>
0: Why? No no, no 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 no
1: I would have gotten away away with it if it was like for you kids no. in that dog I'm
0: meddling kids. Yeah.
1: Um, so look, like always, we need to check out with with some reminders. Give us a like on our Facebook page. You want to come on the show? You got an idea for a topic?
0: You want to tell us we're idiots? And, and uh, Mike has a drink at Gmail. Dot
1: com. Like Reggie found out, people do respond when you send an email. Um, Boom. Take that. Follow us on TikTok. Uh,
0: we didn't post a video this week, then. No, we didn't, but
1: it happens. We were busy this week. Um, Put your shopping carts away so Tom can have a stress-free day when he goes to county market. Not just county market. Um, and hey, I love one. you,
0: people. I gotta go.
1: Tom's out of here. And uh, on that note, Reggie, we hope you're on next week. Tom will be uh, out and about on location, so we'll have to connect with him somehow. But besides that, people, have a great week. We appreciate you all, and we'll see you next Tuesday.